Hello everybody, Bradley here, and welcome back into Let's Dive Deep Harry Potter. Rachel and I got another awesome episode for you today. Before we get started, just a reminder, the show notes exist. Go check them out. There's a lot of social stuff there, Twitter, Gmail, Facebook, wherever you would like to come and hang out with us. Give us your feedback. Tell us about all of the fun pop culture things you're watching, reading, listening to. We'd love to hear it from you. Give us some Harry Potter emails, whatever you want to do. We also have a Patreon. I know it's not for everyone. Not everyone who listens to this podcast is going to want to throw a few bucks our way, but it does genuinely help. It makes this podcast a little more sustainable. It helps cover the hosting fees and those types of things. So over there, we do have early access to all of the Let's Dive Deep podcasts, not just the Harry Potter one. So that's pretty cool. There's the occasional bonus episode, a little bit of extra content, those types of things as well. So feel free to go check that out. And don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcatcher of choice. It really helps get this podcast out to more people or tell a friend about it. Tell an uncle, a neighbor, a dog, uh, whatever, a whoever, just doesn't matter. If you think, hey, I'm listening to this podcast and I enjoy it. This other person might enjoy it. I'm going to tell them about it. That would be awesome. I think that's it. That's all. There's adult content. Watch out. There might be a little bit of swearing in this episode. I'm not sure. I can't remember. And there also is spoilers for for all of Harry Potter. So you just don't. If you have not watched all of Harry Potter or read all of Harry Potter or whatever Harry Potter stuff you want to know about before this podcast, make sure you read it, watch it, those types of things before you listen to this. Let's dive deep into the episode. All right, everybody, we are back with chapter 11, Nicholas Flamel. Here's a quick recap for you. Whoa, now, slow down there, podcasting Bradley. Hey, everybody, editing Bradley here. Just letting you know this is actually chapter 13, not chapter 11. The guy who recorded this podcast is an absolute bellend. Moving on, back to the episode. Christmas break is over and nobody in the squad has figured out who old Nicholas Flamel is. Quidditch is back even or Quidditch is back though and Snape is refereeing. The game goes better than expected when Dumbly shows up to watch and Harry catches the snitch in less than five minutes. After the match, Harry flies after Snape to spy on a conversation in the forest between him and Quirrell. Oh, and Ron gave Malfoy a black eye, which is just a fun other thing that happened in this chapter. Uh, Rachel. Yes. Overall thoughts, chapter 11, Nicholas Flamel. Okay, well, finally, someone gave Malfoy a black eye. He's been asking for it for ages. That's my big takeaway as well from this chapter. The rest of it didn't need it. Just like one sentence and then Ron gave Malfoy a black eye would have been the perfect chapter. Yeah, and it's not it's not the most important thing that happens in this chapter, like capital I, important, but it is the most important thing that happens. I also really I guess Pippin approves. I apologize for the barking. Oh, no, we love Pippin. <laughs> I love Pippin. The audience loves Pippin. Pippin is is welcome. Um, did you fire anybody for this chapter? I said okay, so I said no. Uh, I think the meeting between Quirrell and Snape was a little suspect, but they did it off of school grounds, and teachers are people too, so they're allowed to do the things that they want. But I do question how nobody found Neville bunny hopping upstairs. Ooh, interesting. So you're saying that like potentially somebody just wasn't doing their doing so, their job. Yeah, so I'm not ready to say that a professor should be fired because realistically, what do you have prefects and head boys for if not helping your students? Really don't understand what's up with Pip today. Pippin is on on one. Pippin Are is you? like I, I would like to podcast as well. I think he's upset about the injustice to Neville also. Of course. <laughs> uh, but yeah so i said so i said no on that one but reluctantly 
I also said no, and in my notes, I didn't even put a reason. I just I just ended the chapter and thought, no, I'm not gonna we're gonna fire a lot of professors by the time this series is over. And I didn't need to in this chapter. Uh, I didn't even think about the meeting being suspicious. I just didn't didn't even cross my mind. So I, I didn't fire anybody. Yeah, it was kind of a nothing chapter for the professors in terms of their actual professoring. Uh, so it can be as opening close as that. Come on, Dave. We're recording. <laughs> yeah, Pippin, don't you understand how podcasts work? If you, no. the audience has obviously never met Pippin, but if you could meet Pippin, Pippin is the best. Yeah, Pippin is about a 40 pound Pembroke Welsh corgi. And he's uh, tricolor, but he's mostly black. Named after the Hobbit, I hope. And and not the basketball player, because I have a really cruel sense of humor. And uh, right now he's currently trying to chew my wrist off. So when this uh, when this stop. episode airs, I'll I might like attach the photo of like it's just like the close up photo of me petting Pippin with like the Ravenclaw collar you have or what is that what is it you have for pippin it's like a more of a yeah band. it's a little yeah it's a bandana i think i think i think my sister got it for him although i'm a ravenclaw i think he's a slytherin pippin is definitely a slytherin <laughs> but i am also a ravenclaw so i appreciated the little bandana thing i was yeah. like this is this is perfect um uh what was your alternative chapter title for for this one Okay, so I went with, uh, no rhymes this time, unfortunately, but I went with The Seeker of Gryffindor, because I think that in this chapter, Harry does a lot of finding, uh, not, not exclusively just actually literally the snitch. You know, he finds Nicholas Flamel, he does find the snitch with the, win the Quidditch game, and he also finds uh, Snape going into the forest. So, um, I went with more of a double meaning on this one, but I just really liked that a lot of this chapter was Harry noticing things out of the ordinary and kind of following through on it. So that's why I went with that. I love that you did something relevant to analyzing the chapter because I didn't. <laughs> I just went with a well-deserved black eye. Look, Malfoy deserves it. Malfoy has got even more bangers. I don't know if it's this chapter or the next one, but I think it's this <laughs> one. He's got, yeah, it's before he gets the black eye, obviously. He has some absolute burns that are still way more high level than an 11-year-old, I think, would yeah. come up with. But they are so good that he deserve, He really deserved that black eye. I'll also pretend that there's like a lot of metaphorical like black eyes happening. I'm sure Snape, <laughs> does, I'm sure Snape doesn't feel too good that Gryffindor... Oh, you know, won the Quidditch match to to hop over yeah. top of them in the standings. I'm sure that feels like a little bit of a punch in the face. So I'll just pretend <laughs> that there's other actual like, <laughs> metaphorical analysis happening here. But a well-deserved black eye is what I chose to go with. Yeah, I mean, if we're going with literal titles, I almost called this chapter Justice for Neville. <laughs> I was I was enraged. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's like Dewey. I don't. I, I don't even know if Justice for Neville truly happens until like book five or six. No, it doesn't. <laughs> like you can call a chapter Justice for Neville. I don't think we get Justice for Neville for a very long it's, time. It's more. It's less of a a thing that happened and more of a cry for help. Yeah, fair enough. Like, Please. Oh, yeah, it's so yeah, just there's so many more books before Neville it's gets so, any just... before he gets his. It's so bad. 
That's okay. Uh, before Neville, uh, before <laughs> Neville has an appearance in this chapter, we start out with Harry, and Harry's having these weird dreams. Um, we know now that these dreams are kind of like pseudo visions of the night his parents died. He's got incredible memory that Scar is, you know, helping him out and remembering that. And he explains this to Ron. Ron says he's mad, uh, which is interesting. But I just, I just wanted to call this out at the top. That these visions, you know, the green light, those types of things, they're they're super important. This is one of the, I don't think it's the first time it might be, but it's just something that I wanted to call out here is something that's going to be important moving forward. Yeah, I I think I noted that too. Like, it's kind of like a throw, it, it almost feels like a throwaway intro to segue from one chapter to the next. But it's oh, it's so sad that like the first time after he like sees his parents he starts having those nightmares so i was i was really sad for that it what i what i think i like about it is i just love so much i know it's a little bit confusing the first time you read these books but i love so much in book seven how it's written when harry and hermione jump out the window of bathilda bagshot's house it's probably mm-hmm. is it batilda in english probably I think I think we I think say Bethilda. I think we say Bethilda like in Canada, but I think it's probably Batilda. Anyways, they jump out of the window of the house after they've escaped Nagini and you know they're apparating, but there's this moment where you get to relive that moment, like from the beginning, mm-hmm. from Voldemort's perspective. And it's like very haunting mm-hmm. and harrowing and all those things. But it's just yeah. like so beautifully written into that chapter. That I think I just mm-hmm. love that chapter so much that I was just like, ooh, a seed, like uh, the, the, the beginning of getting to that mm-hmm. reveal six books later. I uh, just mm-hmm. worth calling out here. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like a lot of the time, the trauma of what happened is really brushed over. Like even in this book, Malfoy's making jokes about it all the time. So it's it's almost usually played as like a source of humor for bad characters to play off of. But it's really, really traumatic and really sad. And I find only in these, like, tiny instances will JK kind of remind us how hard it is for Harry to deal with. Yeah, you and I, kind of moving on from these dreams, both have notes about Hermione and both have notes about Quidditch, which I find interesting. (laughs) Um, Your note about Hermione, I think, is funnier than mine. But I was like, okay, Hermione, calm down. Do we need to? You were on break. All right, like you were like skiing or something. You didn't find out who Flamel was either. Like, do we need to be given a hard time to these boys? Yeah, I just like that her righteous indignation isn't even really that they broke the rules. It's that they broke the rules for the wrong reasons. She's like, you, you went out past curfew and it wasn't even for knowledge. Like, what are you doing? Like, she clearly has her own moral code that she's operating under. And I, I find that really hilarious. Yeah, it's very funny. I just, th- these two chapters, you actually think it would get almost annoying. There's at least a thousand, mm-hmm. just so you know, if you're listening, we do these two chapters at a time. So we just both read two chapters back to back. There's so mm-hmm. many instances in these two chapters of Hermione, like Hermione just being like the annoying one of the three, where it's like mm-hmm. Hermione's trying to get them to study and that's annoying or whatever, but it never gets old. It's always funny. There are always these like moments to find. It's like the squad is coming together, but it's really well written in the mm-hmm. sense that like it doesn't bother me. It just gets funnier every time. Yeah. And it helps that she's almost always right. Like it's not she, like she's just giving them directions and it's annoying because sometimes she's wrong. She's always right. That's cr- that so is you- true. And 
Harry and Ron are always <laughs> wrong. That, that'll generally, be yeah. Generally speaking, they're not correct. They, I love this moment where she's bad at chess or worse than chess. And like, it's this Harry and Ron thought that was good for her. I was like, oh, come on. You, yeah. guys, you guys wouldn't be alive without her. Like, give her a break. I thought that was really, really funny, though. It was very I funny. Just, it's I, very 11-year-old. I also, I just think it's... It's so nice, though, because, like, one of the things that really, really bugged them about her was that she could never be wrong. But now she's voluntarily playing chess with Ron, a game that she knows she's probably going to lose. Which, one, dents her ego, because she thinks and is smarter than Ron. Um, But also is kind of tampering that all-knowingness in her. So, so making her slowly more bearable, I think they're right. It is good for her. But I don't know that their motives are as pure as self-growth. Yeah, I think it's a little bit black and white, but I think you can kind of figure out whether Hermione is going to be good at something or not, about whether or not mm-hmm. you can read about it in a book. Things like chess yeah. or Quidditch, you can't read about how to be good at those things, so she's not really mm-hmm. good at them. Things like magic, you can read about how to be good at those things, and so she's good yeah. at them, right? And I, I also think, mm-hmm. too, a part of her character, I imagine her playing run at chess so she can get better at it right mm-hmm. like, i imagine like it annoys her that she's not as good at something so she needs oh, absolutely she, like that i bet you she beats ron one time and doesn't play anymore like i beat you that's <laughs> it like i think i think that is that part of it too i did that um this is a side tangent i did that when i downloaded fortnite my friends can <laughs> my friends convinced me to download fortnite it was years ago at this point it was a it was a pretty new game um and they were much better than me. And they carried us to a victory in the first game I ever played. And I was like, you know what? It doesn't get better than this. So I just deleted the game and have never played again. Right. And that was a good choice. That was a very Yeah, good ultimately, choice. I think it's paid dividends. Now I'm just addicted to Elden Ring. Right. Which is a better <laughs> game to be addicted to, in my opinion. Apologies to all the Fortnite fans out there. But it's not a, it's not a very good video game. I don't want to say that. Like, if you enjoy it, then it's a good video game. I don't want to yeah, say like, that for everybody. You know what? Actually, maybe hot take. I think it's become a much worse video game after they took out the construction. I think that was all that differentiated it from PUBG. But this is a very large tangent. <laughs> yeah, let's get back to Harry Potter. Okay, sorry to the Harry Potter fans who are in a Harry Potter <laughs> podcasting feed. The problem here is you're with two nerds who like other nerdy things too, and not just Harry Potter. Uh, Snape is refereeing this Quidditch match. You and I both have notes on Quidditch. We'll get to them in a minute. I don't want to talk about Quidditch mm-hmm. every episode, but there's just more things here that bug me. Um, mm-hmm. But Harry, so Snape is refereeing. The problem with this is that Harry mm-hmm. and Hermione and everyone assume that he was the one behind the curse last time. So he's yes. refereeing to get a front row seat to the action. And he'll be yeah. up on a broom at game level to be able to curse more easily. Again, mm-hmm. not seeing the forest for the trees. Obviously, it'd be hard for Snape to be like flying in the middle of a stadium of people looking at him. To cur- you know what I mean? Like they're not quite thinking this through all the way, but that's okay. Yeah. They have this hilarious exchange where Harry has something like the sudden sinister desire to be a referee, which I wrote. Okay, calm down, Harold Potter. Like, come on. Harold. That's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> but then they have this exchange like, say you're ill. Say you can't play. Say you broke your leg. Really break your leg. And that like these types of exchanges are just so funny. Like a bunch of eleven year olds trying to figure out whether Harry should play in this Quidditch match 
Because if he does, he might die. Like the stakes are hilarious. The dialogue so hilarious. high. Yeah, they're like yeah. yeah, they're they're as high as they can get. They're the what they're worried about is that Harry is going to play this game and die. Mm-hmm. And the conclusion Harry comes to is, I'm doing it anyway. I don't want anyone looking at me funny. Like, come on, Harry. Like, don't play. <laughs> like, like, he is literally willing to play and die so that, you know, the Slytherins think he can stand up to Snape. Like, this whole thing is ridiculous. Yeah. I also really, like, I, I just thought it was funny. They were like, actually break your leg. But clearly they've never talked to Madame Pomfrey because she can fix a broken bone in an instant. It's just regrowing them that's hard. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really what's his what's his nuts in the next book that <laughs> what's his nuts? What's his name? Lockhart. Lockhart, that's him. <laughs> Lockhart really messes that up. You're right. Pomfrey coulda coulda figured that out. For sure. Yeah, Hermione could have read that in a book. Hermione's slacking. I've just we're realizing this in real time. Hermione slacking there. No, she should have known that. Um is this where I think this is where Neville comes in with the leg binding curse or something that Malfoy did? But I put Chekhov's Neville needs to stand up to people. This will be a big plot point for ten <laughs> points at the end of the book. There's yeah. also going to be a moment later when they sneak out to go and find Fluffy, where Ron, I believe it is, says like, "Well, yeah, we we wanted you to stand up to people, but not to us." And so like, just Chekhov's. This is the first moment where she's sliding yeah. this in here so that it comes up later and it makes sense. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to take a deep breath for this one because whoever has access to the show notes can see that I quite literally, I had a tantrum. Oh yeah, get on that get on that $5 Patreon to get the show notes. <laughs> it's, they're worth it. The, Harry, the Bridgerton yeah. ones are not worth it in my opinion, <laughs> but the Harry Potter ones are truly phenomenal. Just overall value. But I just... It's been 13 chapters. I, I think it's like chapter six or seven that we get on the Hogwarts Express. It has been so many chapters of just consistently dunking on Neville. Like, Seamus is also an idiot. Why is nobody bothering him? It's just Neville. And then he stumbles into the common room. His legs have been locked by a like the leg locker jinx. Nobody helped him. They laugh at him. And he's just like falling over. And it's only Hermione that gets up to try and to do the, the counter jinx to actually help him. Like, and then he says that like he didn't get any help. He bunny hopped up the Gryffindor tower. Up a tower. <laughs> and to like, the, presumably to the tower as well. Yeah. Like, and, and in all of that distance, nobody saw him. Nobody helped him. Did they think it was funny? Did they ignore him? Or is there just, like, zero staff around the entire school that could have seen this? It was in the middle of the day. I'm, I just, I got, I just got really, really frustrated because it's not funny. Bullying isn't that funny. And it's not funny at all. I, I suppose in books about kids, it's easier to laugh because it's fiction. But I just, I I got really, really fed up with, like, the use of Neville as, like, a comedic tool, but usually having the vehicle for that be bullying or something that he's done wrong. And I just felt so, so bad for him in this scene because, like, like I can barely walk up two flights of stairs without my legs starting to burn. Can you imagine having to jump up that? Uh, like a full tower to get to your common room so 
sorry, I didn't mean to have a tantrum, but this scene really, really bothered me, and I, I got a lot of relief when Hermione finally stood up and helped him, because I think he's been kind of crying for help in a lot of these chapters, just basically, like, based on the narration, and finally he gets it. Yeah, I think you're right in the sense that, like, the Neville moments where he's, like, just on his own, weeping into Hagrid's jacket, or just on his own, forgetting the password and having to sleep outside, I think are funny. Like, to me, they're funny. Like, I'm reading this, and it's funny, and they're meant to be funny. Yeah. The bullying ones are, are less funny. What I clocked, though, is I actually didn't have a strong reaction to the bullying this time around. Mm -hmm. Like, I read this these books a thousand times. I just, like... I might have like Neville bullying numbness, right? Like I just like read past it, but I definitely yeah. clocked like how each individual person reacts. Like Harry and Ron do absolutely nothing other than laugh at him, um, which it does, yeah. does feel very 11 year old to me, but still not great. Hermione goes to help him, mm -hmm. but then Harry and Ron either picking up a cue for Hermione, like do the bare minimum to wake up, to make up for it. Where Ron, mm -hmm. like for, for the rest of this chapter is like giving him a pep talk. Like you need to stand up for yourself. Rah. And yeah. Harry's like, have my chocolate frog, I guess. I suppose yeah. like, it doesn't make up for it, but it like, I think they're cluing into what Hermione's doing. And be like, Oh, we were being dicks. Yeah. They, they follow her lead, which I'm really glad they start to do. Cause they're kind of idiots and she's really smart, but <laughs> Like, <laughs> he just summarized the whole book. The two idiots <laughs> and the smart one go on a hunt for a stone. Go, just look for stuff. But she's she's always had a relationship with Neville. Like she was trying to help him find Trevor in the Hogwarts Express scene, so it makes sense that she'd want to help him. But I'm really, really glad that Ron and Harry follow her lead. I I did note though. Um, yeah, a chocolate frog isn't really enough to say, like, I'm sorry that we haven't helped you more. But it was his last chocolate frog from his Christmas present from Hermione, and he's 11. So I think we have to put a little more weight on that. See, I, I thought the same for, like, a second until I remembered that the whole reason Harry does anything nice is so that he can get the Nicholas Flamel card back. Like, Ron, <laughs> there's no writerly reason for him to be giving him the pep talk, so I'll give Ron the credit. But Harry... Yeah. Harry, there's, a, there's like the double, like, because this is a book and I know how books are written and Harry needs to get the card so that he can realize yeah. that he's read Nicholas Flamel's name before. And so it's like, Harry, I'm like conflicted. Is this Harry doing it because he's Harry or is this JK being like, ah, fuck, I need to get this card back to Harry. Better write him doing yeah. something nice. And I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, so I... I took that as an issue, too, because I, I put in all capitals. I'm like, still, even though he's getting the help he needs, Neville is nothing but a plot vehicle. I think that's a that's an author choice. Uh, I wouldn't I can't you can't hold it against Harry because he's not going to know that Neville's going to offer it to him. Like um, a lot of people keep those cards. So there's no way that he would have anticipated that Neville would be like, hey, you can keep this. Um, yeah, I. So so I think the fault on this kind of lies with the, with the writing itself and the narration. But at the same time, I'm probably reading way too much into this. It just, it, it's been like 10 chapters of Neville just being shit on. And I had had enough. I would argue the whole premise of this podcast is a case that we're reading too far into this. Like this I think not just this, maybe this entire book, I think we may or may not be reading too far into yeah. a book written for 11-year-old uh, children in 1997. Yeah. 
I yeah, think we've that... gone between the lines and then down a hole and then like into a cave and we're still digging. <laughs> uh, this <laughs> Nicholas Flamel reveal uh, reveals mm-hmm. a few things. It lets us know a little bit. It's actually Dumbledore that's on the cards. It's Dumbledore's card mm-hmm. that reveals that he's really smart. He did the Grindelwald in. He has the dragon's blood stuff. But then mm-hmm. he knows or worked on alchemy with Nicholas Flamel, the only known maker of the Philosopher's Stone. You wrote in your notes, dun, dun, dun. I don't have the sound <laughs> yeah. clip, but that's like, it's very much meant to be like that dun, 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 where you, the reader, yeah. the three kids in the chat are like, ah, so the stone is what they're after. But also it's the name of the book. Mm-hmm. So you're waiting for it. You're like, what is the stone? Aha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I was a kid, when I was reading, I didn't realize the significance of the Philosopher's Stone until they said that's what was, like, right right in this part here, right where they said that was what was in the package and what was being guarded. Um, so it was a big reveal, and I think pretty worth it. They worked pretty hard to find it. Yeah, they worked pretty hard. They had to, they had to, what, they, what were they doing, reading 10 minutes at a time? Oh, how frustrating is that in retrospect? Like, we don't get this chapter, but you know there was a meeting where Hermione was mad at them for, <laughs> for like, Harry, how did you not remember the chocolate frog card you got in the train? We could have had this solved three months ago. If only you could just remember the things that, you know what I mean? Like, I imagine there's this yeah. off scene of Hermione being like, come on, we could have been farther ahead. Yeah. I had that thought while I was talking about it, about them being on the train earlier. And Neville says that Harry is a collector of the cards. So my thought would be like in all that time, he hasn't re-looked at any of his cards. You just kind of collect them and like throw them in a box and not look at them like I do with all of my old Pokemon cards. I was just going to use the Pokemon card comp. No one plays Pokemon cards. People just like opening no. packs. It makes people feel good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're here for the dopamine and the and the. <laughs> it was the original microtransaction. $5 yeah. for a hit of dopamine. The cards are irrelevant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like I, oh, I remember when I was in grade school, someone made a bad trade. It was like a Blastoise for, I don't remember what the other Pokemon was. It was like a Diglett or something. It was a bad trade. That's a bad deal. And it was like the talk of the playground. It was a really <laughs> big deal. It like upset the Pokemon card economy. <laughs> it upset the economy. <laughs> if a Blastoise is going for a Diglett nowadays, what is what is our future going to be like? What even is a Mewtwo worth? Yeah. This is just like, we're in a recession. <laughs> we're in a Pokemon card <laughs> recession. Blastoises are going for Diglets. They used to cost at least a uh, Ponyta. Like, come on. Or like a Pony Trio or something. What is it's? I think it's Rapidash. I think it's Doug Trio. Oh. I think you confused oh, Rapidash yeah. and Doug Trio. I did. There's also the Pokemon Bird Trio. Like. There's Doduo and Dotrio. And Dotrio. Oh. Yeah, I mean, That's frustrating. in the original 150, it's a bit annoying to have Doe Trio and Doug Trio be poke. Like, there's 150. Like, can we not come up with slightly different sounding names? No, 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 no. It all has to be <laughs> similar sounding. And somehow I still got it wildly wrong. It's all been right. a really long time since I've opened that box of my Pokemon cards. Fair enough. <laughs> Just like Harry. <laughs> back, back, to, back to Harry Potter. <laughs> one day, one day we'll be able to stick on track. Not soon. <laughs> Maybe by, no. like, maybe by book four. No, not yeah. even, because book four, it's just me. I'm going to talk about all the sports. So it's yeah. not even then. Book five, mm-hmm. maybe? I don't know. Anyways, just before the match, we got a, a really good download on Snape. Uh, I'm just kind of skipping over. Harry has a lot of feelings about Snape, and him and the squad talk a lot about Snape. 
a summary mm-hmm. they think Snape's trying to murder Harry and that's bad. So like that's the summary of the entire conversation. But there's a few bits mm-hmm. and pieces. One, Harry has the thought that Snape could read minds and I had a record scratch. Not that I forgot yeah. that this was in the book, but because I said last episode of this podcast mm-hmm. that or the last recording, so one of the last two episodes that legitimacy had not been invented yet, and that's why it couldn't be used as a tool. And I think I stand by that analysis, because I think what happens is, like like J.K. does so masterfully, later, when she's looking for tools in her toolkit, she remembers that she wrote this, so then, then can retcon legitimacy in a way that makes sense. But mm-hmm. but it's here in book one, there's a little line that can Snape read minds? Who knows? So I just wanted to bring that there's, up, because I was a... Seed. <laughs> She planted the seed of it. I'm so excited. Yeah, can Snape read minds? Who knows? I think if he could, he would have figured out this quarrel business a little quicker. So I, I think legitimacy probably yeah. not invented yet, but there is the seed here. So I don't want to, I don't want to take it off the board. This is a great thing for you to let us know. Like we put posts in Facebook, on Twitter, email. Like let us know if you think Snape is full on legitimacing at this mm-hmm. point in the story. Yeah, I also. I do want to give credit where credit is due to Snape in this chapter because Harry is thinking that Snape is following him and I would not be surprised if that is just 100% correct. Oh, I, I assume he game, is actually. Like, I, yeah. I assume that he is doing that. Yeah, because clearly there is a danger to Harry who's the person that Dumbledore trusts most, Snape. He just goes, hey, can you just keep an eye on this tiny idiot? He keeps getting into trouble. He makes sure he doesn't die before the time is right. Yeah. And then I also said it's not Snape's fault, but he's skulky by nature. <laughs> this is like this is like having a kid born in Crusader Kings and they just have like a trait from birth. Like and it's really weird. Like they have a trait and they're like comely and it's like, how do you they're they're one. How do you know? Or like genius. It's like, yeah, they oh. I get that they have a trait. But, like, you wouldn't know your kid's a genius at one day old, right? Like, they just, like, no. are born with the trait. And so, like, yeah. yeah. So his his born trait is skulking. It's skulking. He just came out the womb looking like he had a secret. Fair enough. <laughs> um, We get to the Quidditch match. The actual Quidditch match is very much uninteresting. Harry just catches the snitches yeah. as a hero. It's the aftermath for Harry that I think is relevant to the story. But during the match, there's a few fun things. Let's talk about Quidditch real quick. There's just a mm-hmm. few more nits I have to pick about this wild game. Um, yeah. We get word of reserve players. What the fuck is going on? Like, what is a right? what is a Quidditch team? I get that there's not a lot of total players, right? You mm-hmm. only have, like, 50 or Seven. 60 people in a house. They're not all going to be playing Quidditch. I get it. Right. But also, like, what are the function of reserve players? Like, is it like soccer where they, you have to be registered in time? So if, if they don't yeah. register a reserve player by September 16th, they can't play for the season. Are people not allowed to switch positions? Right. But that's not true. Cause in later books, we do have position switching when Harry is out and Ginny has to fill in. And like, she mm-hmm. goes from the, she goes from one of the chasers to the seeker or whatever. Yeah. So it's like, what are the rules? Do these people have to be registered? Is there no reserve seeker just cause there's no one else that can, but like, can't someone else play seeker and then find a reserve beater? Like what is happening? Yeah, it just really doesn't seem like an efficient way for the Quidditch team to have been built. Because, like, it, it, it's just that seven. And, and and what if one of the seven is, like, sick one day? You don't have a B team? 
even high school sports teams have a B team. Like, come on. I think the problem is there's only four matches. So like, like, so, you're, so you, why like, would you bother? If you're on the beats, no one wants to be on the B team because there's no, you just have to practice in the mud and the wet. Cause again, Quidditch only yeah. happens in the worst months, which is yeah. even dumb too. So Quidditch only <laughs> happens in the worst months when it's rainy and muddy and gross in Scotland yeah. where it's rainy and muddy and gross often. Right. And so mm-hmm. you're on the B team. You have to practice every day in this shit and never get to play. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I think we both commented on this earlier. They practice way too much for a team that only <laughs> yeah, plays I put it three as a games ratio. a year. <laughs> like, what is the practice to game ratio in Quidditch? Like, twenty five practices to a match. Like, just the same as unicorns to leprechauns. Yeah, that was my that was my second note was the practicing. The practicing and the reserve team were the two things that came up in this chapter. Where I was like, what is happening? I don't understand this yeah. sport. It's so much practice for seemingly three games. It's so much. It's, uh, I can't imagine. There must be, there must be like a, each team plays every team three times kind of thing because there have to be more games. Yeah. There never is in these books, but in my head canon, there just must be because I don't understand. Yeah. Cause I think, cause they skip such periods of time throughout the chapters, especially in the first books when they're just kind of like, yeah, they're 12. They're not that interesting. Let's get to the good stuff that we must just miss a few games. I think we just have to accept that. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm going with. Um, mm-hmm. At the match, Malfoy get, earns his black eye. He's got a, he's got some really <laughs> good burns. Something that there was like not the best one, but one is like Harry's diving for the snitch, and <laughs> I was like, "Lucky for you, Ron! It looks like he's found money." It's like, "Holy shit!" Like, calm down. And then you have like oh, the, the the uh, the first one was the best one. I forgot to write it down just because I was doing these notes really quick. But something yeah. about Harry not having a family and Ron being poor. You know, you know the the yeah everyone on the gryffindor quidditch team needs something like fred and george have no money ron has no uh sorry harry has no parents neville has no brains so he should be on the quidditch team and i'm like is someone writing these for him yeah i imagine i imagine there's like um, i imagine you know papa malfoy sending him like (laughs) notes in the mail like the post lines he's like use these like these are good ones he gets a really good dig at neville too where he says something like, if if brains were gold, you'd still have less money than the Weasleys. Very mean. Again, oh. such a good burn, though. He, yeah. Yeah, who's writing these? He's got a ghostwriter, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's no way. And Because clearly we see when he has to try to like handle things for himself, he's not that smart. So someone is writing these. Maybe Crab is like a secret genius, and he the reason he's quiet all the time is Malfoy's just stolen all of his jokes. Uh, is I we haven't met her yet, but I'm assuming um what's her face that Malfoy ends up dating Pansy. for Pansy Pansy Parkinson. Yeah, I imagine she's around. Maybe, Maybe she's Pansy. the ghostwriter. I could see that she's kind of she's kind of nasty. Yeah. I mean, she's kind of irrelevant until book seven when she says, well, Harry's right there. Go get him. And everyone's like, no, we're going to kill you. Okay. So that's our running theory for now is that Pansy Parkinson is Malfoy's ghostwriter. I'm glad we're analyzing these books. Like we're just really sticking to the text in the chapter. 
we're not we're not making things up pansy parkinson is is the ghost rider for malfoy yeah. everything comes down a bit at this match because dumbledore is there which i found just very mm -hmm. funny because that's the extent mm -hmm. to this it's like dumbledore is at the match this makes harry feel better at the end of the match dumbledore says good job harry like that's his contribution is just being mm -hmm. there uh neville stood up for himself by re repeating the line that harry says earlier after he's done laughing in his face where Harry yeah. says, like, you're worth 12 of Malfoy. And then Neville turns to Malfoy. Just honest to goodness. He's trying. He's like, I'm worth 12 of you, Malfoy. And it's like, ah, oh, good yeah. effort. They laugh at him again, but he tried. No, but I really like that, though, because I think it means that he actually took what Harry said to heart. I don't think it's him just, like, not thinking of something better to say. He's like, Harry said that to him, and he, he believed it about himself. So he wanted to say it. So I was really, really proud of Neville because that's the first time he's kind of turned around and said, like, I don't have to take that from you. I'm better than that and I'm better than you. And you know what? He's right. And I'm tired of pretending that he's not. Yeah. Justice for <laughs> Neville. We need, that's going to be, if we ever do Let's Dive Deep Harry Potter merch, which is on the list to get to at some point, just mm. for my own. I have actually, I did do something. I have, I have a shirt. That has Ooh. like let's dive deep like Harry Potter font. We'll do a justice for Neville, like maybe nice. a hat with a hashtag or something like a sticker. Stickers are affordable. You... I think people would buy stickers. Uh, can you make it dog size so that Pip can have one? Pip can have a justice for <laughs> Neville. Oh, maybe they make like dog leashes. That would be fun. Like a, yeah. a, a, a like a Gryffindor colored like justice for Neville. Mm -hmm. Let us know have? what 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 justice for Neville merch you'd buy. I imagine we can come up with something cool there. Anyways, yeah. um, in the Quidditch match, I actually kind of just want to skip over this. Like, Harry catches the snitch. Mm -hmm. Like, it, Harry catches the snitch. We don't need to get into... There's enough sports ball that happens in these books that we can kind of yeah. move on. But what I liked about this is that Harry gets the moment. We talked about this before the podcast started, about the difference between the books and the movie here. I love mm -hmm. the moment where Harry just kind of gets to sit with himself for a little bit and the locker room after and just kind of enjoy this moment. He has these thoughts like no one can tell me that I'm just a famous name anymore. I actually did something cool. I beat this record. Yeah. I, I, I'm good at what I'm doing. I'm a, I'm a first year seeker who actually earned his spot instead of just being favored. You know what I mean? Like just him mm -hmm. having this moment to walk around. No one's bugging him. He's just living in his feelings. And those feelings are good instead of dreams of like Voldemort coming to his house. You know what I mean? And yeah. so I just like, I loved this quick moment for Harry before he just runs off to the forest after Snape. Yeah. So I've got a point and a counterpoint for you. So I agree with you. Harry feeling good about himself makes me feel good about myself. It was such like a little heartwarming bit there and he's like no one no one can take it away from him he's he is actually a good seeker and arguably like no one can really contest that he deserved the position on the team but at the same time can you imagine you cleared your schedule for a quidditch game on a weekend and you're like oh this is gonna be so fun i'm gonna hang out with all my friends and before you've even had time to go to the confection stand and get a snack the game is over that would be so annoying. <laughs> I, I think you're right, but only... You know what? I actually don't think you're right. I actually think... Mm. I'll counter counterpoint. I think okay. if that was built into the game, that's what you want. Like, I, like when I pay-per-view UFC, I don't mm -hmm. get upset when the title fight is just a one-punch knockout in two minutes. That's unreal. 
that's cool. That's hard to do. You know what I mean? And so I think, I think UFC is a good example here where it's like, ideally what you, what you pay for when you're going or you're pay-per-viewing it, you're, you're expecting a long thing and there's more fights Mm. on the card. But if the big title fight, the one that you paid for only lasts a minute, right? Because someone gets a cool knockout or whatever. You're like, that doesn't, never bothered me. I'm always like, I got my money's worth. That was really cool. But the UFC also pads the like because they have so many more fights. It's like three hours of television, regardless of how long the fights take. That's my only counterpoint. I counter, see counter, counterpoint. <laughs> I would keep track. But yeah, no, obviously, like I wouldn't argue if I went to a Blue Jays game and the Jays just hit 10 runs in the first inning and then the game was uninteresting because they were just going to win. I wouldn't complain about that. So if I were in Gryffindor, maybe I wouldn't complain. If I were in Hufflepuff, I might have some issues. Yeah. Yeah. If you're in Hufflepuff, this is is worse, I think. Yeah. And then, uh, okay. I also liked that Hermione just completely lost track of Ron. She didn't even notice they were fighting. Yeah, yeah. Because she keeps being like, hey, hey, Ron, Terry won. Hey. Yeah, like, look. <laughs> but you th- you think just... she'd catch on because she's like, no, you'll get in trouble. You'll get expelled. Stop that. Yeah, and then just loses the plot. And then the next time we see Ron and Hermione, they're both cheering and Ron is just profusely bleeding from the face. I actually wanted to talk a little bit. I don't want to take too much time this episode for it, but I, I'm a big fan in the movies how the stands are laid out. Why are the Slytherins <laughs> and Gryffindor sitting together? Like, it's very much like there should be four stands, one for each house. Right, yes. yeah, they're watching Quidditch. Like, why are we? I, I get that we. I, it's weird because because of how shitty Malfoy is, it kind of ruins it for everyone. I'm pro house mingling. Mm-hmm. There needs to be more house mingling at Hogwarts. But when it comes yeah. to competition, specifically between the houses, why are the see like when I go to a football match in the UK, there's there's like there's a, there's a section for the away fans. So if yeah. you're cheering for the away team, you have to be in the away section, or you have to pretend to mm-hmm. be cheering for the home team. Yeah. Right? Like, why are these guys sitting together? This makes no sense. I choose to believe that Matthew, uh, Malfoy wanted to like stir shit, so he just went into the wrong bleachers. But I think That's then you have all the seven. Like, yeah, where are the seventh year Gryffindors to kick him out? Malfoy is an eleven year old too. Where, where are the seventeen year old Gryffindors? Be like, get out of our zone. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, like again, like, oh, yeah. like only Harry's age is ever relevant in these books. Yeah. But there are other students at this school, and they would be in yeah. the stands too. There's not 40 total people watching this Quidditch match. Yeah, you're telling me, like, what is it? Ron Neville and then Malfoy, Crabbe, and Goyle. Five 11 year olds got into a fight, and none of the 16 and 17 year olds. Although, were if like, we're doing the math, hey. one sec, let's do some math here. So you have okay. 10 students per year per house, mm-hmm. right? So it's 10 times 7 times 4, right? Uh, 280, yeah. So if, you're, if your maximum capacity is only 280 <laughs> people, maybe you are all just in the same stand. Like, what? Yeah. Can, can you even afford to have how small are these stands if you're actually splitting them into four? There's like six rows and that's it. Sit where you sit. Yeah, there's one row for each house. Mm-hmm. There's not a... Yeah, they, they definitely make it seem like there are more than 280 students in the movies. When you get the mm-hmm. get the establishing shot of the Quidditch pitch with all those stands. Oh, yeah, they fill it. It's like thousands of people. Yeah. Maybe it's all from McGonagall's illicit drug, uh, sports gambling ring. Yeah, that was that straight. I don't want to pretend that that was my take. That's straight from no, binge, no, no. binge mode. But that's my favorite McGonagall take ever. They call her McGallion. 
and she has this like undercover gambling <laughs> ring. It's very good. It's very very funny, and and they keep it going. Like when their their analysis of book seven hasn't eased up a bit. Like she's still McGalley, and she's still gambling and all kinds of things. Well, credit where credit is due to binge mode on that one, but it is the funniest interpretation. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that's why she's giving Harry the broom, right? She's like, hey, I'm going to put a thousand pounds or a thousand galleons on Gryffindor. <laughs> but before I give the seeker, the like before I the announce Harry as the seeker so that mm -hmm. I get the, the best odds. Oh, God. I forgot about that. Yeah, you yeah, put the meme in the Facebook group about the broom. <laughs> you did that like... I did. I did. That one made me laugh really hard. It's it's one of like the Drake um, meme templates where he's like leaning in and then like leaning away. Um, yeah, that one really got me. I'm not usually big on like posting memes on Facebook, but I was laughing a lot at that one. So if you're not in the Facebook group, you're what missing are you, out. What on are you that doing? Top tech meme. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, after this match, Harry gets his moment of glory, and then Snape is running off to the forest. And Harry, being Harry and Eleven, or I guess just being Harry, he never changes. <laughs> this part. He's just, he just is who he is. He flies and I got a little bit of like, okay, he lands, you know, noiselessly on the tree. Like, what? <laughs> like, what is this? What? Like, okay, sure. He's a natural. He's a, I get that he's good at flying up there, but landing <laughs> noiselessly on a tree seems very difficult. Like, yeah, especially in the dark. And how close you have to be to these two for like to hear word for word the conversation, right? Mm -hmm. And so, anyway, Snape is having this conversation with Quirrell, and it sounds like he's, you know, getting at Quirrell so that Quirrell can help him get past the dog, and he can get the stone. Really, what's happening is he's figured out that Quirrell's trying to get the stone, and he's trying to stop mm -hmm. him. But Harry, again, not seeing the forest for the trees, leaves. And I will admit this: this chapter is written. The sequence is written. For maximum red herring interpretation. Yes. But Harry leaves I... this feeling like, oh, Snape's going for the stone. I mean, which is totally fair because he makes it sound like he is. I think he's very deliberately doing that. Um, and we could talk about that after the end of the chapter because I have a discussion topic. Perfect. Well, that's where we're going. <laughs> I'm scrolling down to those notes right now. You might as well just yeah. get started. Um, well, I just I want to throw out um, they. they JK does mention that Neville got knocked out by Crab and Goyle. Um, and I just want to throw out that I don't think that feels like a loss in this situation, because I think he was brave enough to try and fight two kids who were much bigger than him. So I think that we're on, we're starting on Neville's kind of upward climb. I was really happy with how, uh, he behaved in the Quidditch match. Can Even I, you, know, I, you shouldn't start fights, but I'm not going to disagree with you. But I'm just going to reword your take. Neville mm. being knocked out by Crab and Goyle is the start of his upward climb. It is though, because oh. you know if he hadn't done that, he would be in his room crying. There. But now he's uh, he's in the hospital wing, getting treated and probably getting candy. Uh, and Crab and Goyle probably got detention. So. Fair enough. I, I obviously it's a loss in the fight. I don't think it's a loss for Neville's character. Right, it's one of those lose the battle to win the war moments. Exactly. Yeah. So one of the things that I did want to talk about is, um, the meeting with Snape and Quirrell. I'm actually really interested in what role Snape is trying to play here in this meeting because 
as a first time reader, we're very clearly supposed to interpret this as Snape bullying Quirrell uh, to get to the stone. But with all of the knowledge that we have now throughout all seven books, I wonder, is he... Because I, I feel like there's two ways that he could be going about it. Like, one, he's just a, he's just pretending to be a Death Eater and an evil Death Eater and bullying Quirrell. And that's just the role he plays. Or I wonder if he and Quirrell are actually, like, in on it kind of together. But Quirrell is just kind of way too hesitant for Snape. And so the role that Snape is trying to play is pushing and pushing on Quirrell to seem like he's anxious to get to the stone in order to find out how much Quirrell knows. I think, so, I don't think I can answer this question, but I think there's yeah. like canonical evidence to point towards a direction. Although because mm -hmm. it's like, I think not all of it, it's obviously like well, well laid plans, but I think a lot of it is kind of retcon to make it work. In mm -hmm. book seven, during mm -hmm. Snape's memories when Harry's in the pensive looking at them, there's a mm -hmm. moment between Snape and Dumbledore where Dumbledore asks Snape, like, hey, Quirrell's up to something, like, go check in on him. So I don't mm -hmm. know at what point in the Philosopher's Stone that happens, but I, it's, yeah. it's Dumbledore that's clued into Quirrell that lets Snape know, and I assume this is Snape kind of checking into Quirrell. And then we have the beginning of book six. One of the best, I think maybe the best, other than book seven, the best one, two chapters um the yeah. other minister and then um spinner's end like those two chapters yeah. back to back are so good you have bellatrix mm -hmm. kind of accosting snape because all of the death eaters interpretation of what snape is doing was keeping the stone away from voldemort right mm -hmm. and so um the reason why snape says he did it then um he's obviously lying but he says is because he didn't know if the dark lord would actually come back you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So he wasn't sure. He didn't want Coral to have the stone or whatever. And so I think I think it's just like retconned in a weird way where I think mm -hmm. you're meant to believe on totality that Snape is trying to get to the stone so that Quirrell can't get to the stone. Mm hmm. Okay. Are you re are you ready for a really terrible pun? Always. Okay. So I did say what I think that Snape doesn't know right now is that Quirrell is riddled with Voldemort. <laughs> did terrible. you actually write that in your notes i did oh, and i, I was laughing as it it's so bad no i don't think snape knows the voldy moldy voldy's on the back of his head moldy voldy i, I guess under all that time in the turban yeah getting snowballs whipped <laughs> at him by fred and george i don't think snape knows that for sure because it like no. snape is acting too strangely to not like if he knew voldemort yeah. was like on the back of his head he would have been a little more active when he was cursing I harry so. i think like i think i think it's still weird behavior when you know that quarrel's cursing harry to just not push him over or something but yeah yeah i think i think dumbledore's cottoned on and he's told because the way he words it is like watch out for quarrel he doesn't say hey quarrel's voldemort yeah uh that's still so i still wonder how he got on the back of his head that's such a weird way for it to manifest yeah, I imagine kind of like how Resident Evil zombies work. I actually, of all the video games that I've played, I haven't played Resident Evil. <laughs> really? Number four is great. I think Resident oh, Evil 4 is one of the best games I've ever played. The rest of them are... Yeah. 
Oh, but I'm scared of zombies. That's a problem. So you can imagine that book six was horrifying for me. Right. Yeah, <laughs> the inferior not. Not oh, that was brutal. Yeah, if you don't, if you have a zombie problem, the inferior not ideal. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh. Do you have anything else on your on your Snape and meeting with Coral? Did we cover that? Uh, yeah. No, I I think that was pretty much it. I was just. It's just curious to me what strategic take Snape was going with with uh, that meeting. But I think it was just like, tell me everything you know, and I won't be more mean to you, even though it's all really, really mean. So yeah. it's not much of a threat. Yeah. Um, the only other thing that I had about this chapter is I just loved how much the squad is becoming the squad. They're just banned. They're having their it's banter time. The bants are strong. I yeah. read somewhere in here. Like they're just banned. Like like it's not Hermione's annoying for making them study. It's almost more charming at this point. Like they're mm -hmm. becoming friends. They're becoming the squad. They got the inside jokes. They're beating up Malfoy. Like they're just a, they're more cohesive as a unit. The glue is starting to hold them together. I think. Yeah, and like you can see it even in the way like they kind of throw digs at each other, and the other person just kind of ignores it. Like I think at one point. Hermione tells Ron something. He's like, don't nag. And she's like, yeah, fuck you. I'll nag if I want. And he's like, okay, true. Nag if you want. And it's it's just really charming. I really enjoyed it. Fair enough. We're getting to our winners now. <laughs> now, I... It's been 11 chapters. Or is this chapter 13? I don't know what chapter this is. 13? 13, 13. Cha 13 chapters. And... I've never once been like, I can't believe you picked this person as the winner of this chapter <laughs> until right now. I understand what you what you're doing. I get it. I feel it. But there's no justifiable chance that he actually who's your winner? Who's your. So as it might be predictable based on all of my behavior in this episode, I picked Neville. Uh, but then I did. I also said it should be Harry. It really should. He wins the Quidditch match. He takes initiative. He finds Nicholas Flamel. He helps Hermione make that connection, and he spies on Snape and Quirrell in the forest. But this chapter was so frustrating for me with how Neville entered at the start. And I think we have given Harry and Ron and Hermione, you know, like pretty like a pretty decent amount of praise. For having that moment where they say, no, enough is enough. And I'm going to do the thing that I think is right. And I know Neville at this point is a side character. But this was like after chapters and chapters of being abused by everyone, including the narrator. He finally <laughs> turns fair, around fair and point. says, yeah, he just turns around and says like, no, I'm worth 12 of Malfoy. I don't care if you laugh. I'm going to stand up for that idea. And um, I'm not going to back down from it. Um, so I. Part of it is righteous indignation. But then also, I think we've given a lot of credit to Harry, Ron and Hermione for the exact same thing that Neville did in this chapter. So I'd be kind of damned if I didn't recognize it in him. Fair enough. I'm I'm it, for my own <laughs> experiment. The whole reason we're doing these chapter winners is because I don't think Harry Potter wins the Harry Potter series. And mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm more than happy for you to pick not Harry Potter in any chapter you want to, <laughs> to help me prove my point. I just think I, uh, for, 
for any like if harry's gonna win any chapter it's gotta be this one just un, like it's uncontested there's not even a flaw to anything normally when harry wins a chapter he like won it but he was kind of stupid along the way or something or it's like he won it but it was only because hermione helped him out this chapter is literally like the top of the top <laughs> harry just wins his own chapter he finds Flamel. It was, you know, like series of coincidences, but he figures out the Flamel thing that Harry and mm-hmm. or that Ron and Hermione didn't. Right? He wins the yeah. Quidditch match. He's having his own moment. He 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 is like he's you know you know moves like a gazelle and can <laughs> land in this tree without making any noise and spy on Snape and Quirrell. I just think he he has an uncontested chapter. I did I did like, shout out Ron and Neville. I'm breaking my own rule. Last last week I was very upset that we were picking two honorable mentions and then I just went and picked two honorable mentions. Uh shouts yeah. to Ron for giving Malfoy the black eye and shouts to Neville. I he had yeah. he had a chapter and everything you said is correct. I don't think he wins this chapter though. I just think Okay, so maybe I'm weighing it weirdly, but I think Harry gets a few gimmies at the start of the book because it's just him and fair, the other options. Fair, fair, fair. So you're making leads. up, you're taking away the one obvious win in exchange for like four just wins you yeah. had to give him. Yeah, like Harry, Harry's gonna win a lot more chapters. Like, okay, if, if someone someone remind me like 17 years down the line when we finally get to book four. Um, if Harry doesn't <laughs> win any <laughs> 29 years down the line when we get to book seven. Yeah. If Harry doesn't win the chapters where he wins the Triwizard tournament tasks, then you guys can kind of read me the riot act. But I think he's had a, a bit of an easy time in terms of winning chapters in these first few in this first book, especially in the first few chapters. So this was a really significant chapter for Neville, and I don't feel bad giving it to him. Perfect. I don't. You should not feel bad. Stick to your guns. Stand by your choice. You put it in all caps too. I wrote Harry Potter like a normal person. You put just Neville in all caps. It's just like internally screaming. Yeah. I was so upset. All right. Um, we're gonna go to the chapter winner for place, thing, concept, theme, etc. Pretty much anything that's not alive. I went with persistence. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of persistence in this chapter. I thought it just stuck out to me a little bit. You know, they've been trying to find Flamel forever. Persistence, you know, a lot of persistence in practicing for the Quidditch match. That obviously paid off. Snape is being really persistent with the whole Quirrell storyline, kind of bounding after him, telling him he's going to meet again, refereeing the Quidditch match. You know how that, you know how that conversation went. Like Snape had to, you know, gallivant over to Madam Hooch and be like, look, (laughs) you were sleeping on the job there's curses abound i need to figure this out you know what i mean so like he's yeah. there's just a lot of persistence happening yeah and i did i to double back i did give an honorable mention to snape for chapter winners because i think he's doing a terrible job looking after harry who, which he doesn't want to and but he's just yeah he you're right he is really persistent about it he checks in on him he's following him he is probably forced to referee the quidditch game he probably doesn't even want to um but yeah no i think everyone in this chapter is very persistent even sometimes to their detriment because neville ends up in the hospital right yeah yeah. i I, again i'm just my neville blinders are on you just are more you're more in (laughs) tune with the neville of this whole thing because i didn't even jot down his persistence i was like so yeah started with trevor and i kind of i've drank the kool-aid and i've never gone back fair enough uh who's your winner so for this chapter, I went with Gryffindor, not just the house, but kind of the idea behind it. 
Um, and again, as last episode, I'm going to read what I wrote so I don't just completely miss my point. We don't very often get a chapter that really encompasses why a lot of our favorite characters were sorted as they were, but we're treated to it here. So Gryffindor is like bravery in the face of danger, facing bullies, like not backing down from things that are scary or hard, be it, you know, like a teacher or a Malfoy or, you know, the Dark Lord. Uh, sometimes the things that they choose to do, they're not always the smartest or the most tactical, but you know, sometimes you have to do the right or brave thing, even if it's hard. So like even the Quidditch team um, decides to change their game and play differently because they know that Snape is going to ref them differently and they just kind of face that head on. They take it as another challenge. Uh, and, you know, obviously I'm not going to beat the dead horse here, but Neville goes through a whole journey this chapter, and I'm really proud of him. Uh, Ron backs him up. And this entire chapter is really strong for all of our Gryffindors, not just our main three, and I'm really proud of them. So for this chapter, I went with the Gryffindor. I love your pick. I agree with everything <laughs> you said. I actually think it's a better pick. I think I'm just too into the If you're drinking the Neville Kool-Aid... I think I'm too into the Ravenclaw Kool-Aid to ever give Gryffindor this much credit. Like, just just give them their own win as a house. Like, I'll give okay. I'll give the Gryffindors individual wins. But to I'll give, save I'll save the Ravenclaw win for when Luna helped Harry in Book Seven. I will I will keep that in the back of my mind. I think the problem is once you get to Book Seven, like, there's so much great thematic writing. To win mm. the theme chapter, I don't know if I don't even know if there's I don't even know if a house could stack up. I I'll lock the, it in because that's also the diadem chapter, right? And we also yeah, get the great lady. Oh, that is the point where Luna stuns the guy or stuns one of the caros and says, "I think he." Or the, the little um, she says very like just hilariously, "That was noisier than I expected," which is awesome. <laughs> and then the little Ravenclaw is like, "I think he's dead." So like, yeah, maybe for that chapter, you're right. Maybe Ravenclaw wins that chapter because that's from Luna and the first year Ravenclaw. Yeah, so so for the, the house enthusiasts, I am a Ravenclaw. I will save that in the back of my mind. So it you're locking up. a book seven winner in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. End of book seven. I will I'm... never pick a Slytherin though. Slytherin never, as well... a house. Is there a chapter that Slytherin as a house wins? I'm going to be on the lookout for it. I'm going to have to think about it, but nothing comes to mind immediately. Nothing comes to mind immediately. No, there must be one. <laughs> must there? <laughs> I don't want there. Okay, I want to be clear. I don't want there to be one. I don't want them to win anything. I just think, like, there's such an effective foil to the other three houses. There That's must true. be a chapter where Slytherin... The mm. only chapter I can think where we really get deep into Slytherins is when Harry and Ron break it's into... It's the Polyjuice It's chapter. the Polyjuice, but the problem with that is their common room password is Mudblood, which just yeah. disqualifies them from winning that chapter. Yeah, no, no racists. No, no you don't get to win a chapter, chapter when you have a racist house password. It's right out, straight to jail. You, you won't even it. imagine how many people I'm firing for allowing that to be. Snape, gone. Dumbledore, oh. gone. Just as a start... Every other teacher who knows about that gone immediately. Every board of... into the ocean. Yeah, so like, <laughs> so many people are are being fired for the Slytherin common room password. All right, I think that's it. That's all. That was chapter. I think I left it in the notes as chapter eleven and twelve. But I think that was chapter thirteen. Anyways, it was the yeah. chapter called Nicholas Flamel 
Thank you so much for listening. As always, give us your feedback or just your notes wherever you want to give it to us. All of that stuff is in the kind of podcast show notes below. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you in the next one. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of Let's Dive Deep. Just a reminder about all the things in the show notes. Lots of social places where you can send us your feedback, your notes, whatever you want to talk to us about. We would love to receive it. The Facebook group is a cool place to hang out with other cool pop culture nerds. The Patreon is a good place to hang out if you want early access to the episodes. Not the occasional piece of bonus content. Basically, we just, we just like having a little bit of help keeping the lights on on the podcast feed paid for. So that's awesome. Thank you so much again for listening, and we will see you in the next one.